the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Oral Sessions. I'm, I mean, I feel like every time I do these intros i'm like i'm so excited for this guest because we have been really lucky with getting badass guests on this show and it's been a ton of fun for me but this lady is uh first of all a longtime listener she's been a huge supporter of oral sessions ever since we started so shout out to her for that i mean she's reposting and she's listening to the show so i of course appreciate that support but this week guys we have one half of the women's tag team champions in WWE, the one, the only, the queen of spades, Shayna Baszler. Now to say Shayna Baszler is perhaps one of the coolest chicks I've ever met is an understatement. She's fascinating. I think she's so cool. She's one of those people right off the bat. You you hear it in the podcast. We talk about it, but like, we believe that, you know, had I stuck around WWE a little longer and we got to spend more time together, we could have been BFFs, A-E, A-E, A-E. Um, so now we just have to do it remotely, which we get to do on the show. And uh, she said she's going to come back on the show at another point too, because there's just so many layers to Shayna. There's so much stuff to talk to her about. And, you know, just doing like a bit of research and like digging a little bit deeper into who she is, what makes her tick. It's just, she's so cool from like learning magic, which led to her getting the name, the queen of spades. Did you guys know that? Well, now you find that shit out. She was helping out with a roller derby team. I love roller derby. I think it is the most fun thing in the whole world. And it's it's very, it's very wrestling related. As we say, everything is wrestling and roller derby is exactly that. Uh, we talk her relationship with Ronda Rousey, what it would be like to have her step into the ring with Ronda in a WWE situation. Uh, we talk her relationship with Josh Barnett, how he helped to groom her both in MMA and then as she transitioned into the world of professional wrestling. There's just so much cool stuff here. And then, of course, we talk some whiskey. We talk some beer. We talk some food. We actually even talk some some relationship stuff. So, again, all of the layers of one Shayna Baszler. She's the coolest chick. You guys are going to love this. Uh, before we get into the interview, though, I got to give a, a quick little bit of love here to our sponsor for this episode, Magic Spoon. So growing up, cereal was one of the absolute best parts about being a kid. You know, you, then you got to give it up because you realize it's just full of sugar and junk and that really you should not be eating it. I get it. I understand. I hear you loud and clear, but it's delicious. Um, so, you know, as we're all as adults as we are, try to cut down on carbs, sugar, unhealthy food, and realize that basically you just can't eat anything anymore. And it's quite upsetting. But then cue, ladies and gentlemen, my friends, Magic Spoon. Hell yeah. They are just the absolute best. Uh, but healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. So Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors that you love, but without all the bad stuff, none of the junk. So Magic Spoon has released a brand new variety pack now featuring my personal favorite, peanut butter. They got the peanut butter, baby. They released the peanut butter as a limited edition flavor in 2020, and it sold out not once, not twice, but thrice. Peanut butter has gotten so much love that they've decided to keep it as a permanent and add it into the best sellers variety pack, which also includes frosted, fruity, and cocoa. Imagine mashing all those flavors up because you can do it. There's zero sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, and only 140 calories per serving. 
keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. It's fantastic. Listen, I just talked about the mixing them. You guys ever thought about mixing the cocoa with the peanut butter? Tastes just like peanut butter cups. Who doesn't love that? Especially in the morning or a late night snack. Whenever you want to have your cereal, Magic Spoon has your back. Go to magicspoon.com slash Renee to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, at your checkout to save five smackaroos off of your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if for some crazy reason you decide that you don't like it, they're going to refund your money. No questions asked. So guys, remember to get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Renee and use the code Renee to save $5 off of your order. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this excellent episode. And now without further ado, let's just get into the episode, shall we? Here she is, the queen of spades, Shayna Baszler. Here's an unfortunate thing is that I left WWE at what would have been the brink of our best friendship. Yeah. And I we talked about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We really could have had a time. I mean, we still can through distance and through this show. <laughs> we kind of do. Like, uh, a, <laughs> like when you were first around and I'm like, okay, she swears as much as I do. That's cool. Whiskey. And- okay. What whiskeys are you into right now? So I always have, always, always, always on the shelf, I have the Nika coffee grain just as like the Sprite of whiskeys. Like, I don't know that anyone's going to say it's their favorite, but everyone will drink it and like it just fine. Like a Jack Daniels almost. Yeah, but like fancier. Oh my God, do not <laughs> let John hear you say that. He will die. <laughs> he gets so offended by that because he's like straight up just Jack Daniels and anything outside of that. He like tries to participate and it, it's... Actually, funny story, side story, but when him and I first started dating, so I'm living in New York, he's in Vegas, he would come visit me. I'm like, oh, I've got like this great idea. I'm going to take him to a whiskey bar. Worst idea ever. It was like this like too cool spot. And he went in and ordered a Jack and the guy was like appalled, appalled that he ordered a Jack Daniels and he brought him this like clear, like rubbing alcohol whiskey. And John was just trying to like choke it down. It was yeah, a huge fail. What does he think about Josh's whiskey? Did he try Josh's whiskey? So he likes Josh's whiskey, but he's got to, he needs to have Josh's whiskey after having several other whiskeys. Ah, it can't be yeah. his first. He needs to like ease into it a bit because yeah, it's a punch it's in the face. strong, yeah. Would you ever do your own whiskey? I feel like you need to get on that bandwagon. I would. I think before that, because I'm really into like craft beer, like a lot like I drink beer, like people drink wine. Like I'm like, oh, the, the color and the, you know what I mean? Like it would pair well with this food. Like I'm, I'm a beer snob. I'm not even ashamed to say it. So I think like I would do that first, obviously with Josh and like, he's like a second father to me. So I think it's not so outlandish that I would delve into the, the whiskey world eventually. Yeah, dabble a little bit. Okay, so if you were going to make your own beer, what would be like the notes that you want? I think I'd go with like a a porter or like a bock of some sort. That's not like... What's a bock? A darker colored kind of beer. But it's like everybody that gets into craft beer does IPAs. that or Or everybody that says they're into craft beer is like, yeah, I like a good IPA. But like, and IPAs are great. 
but there's so much more than that. So I feel like I wouldn't do an IPA just because that's what everybody that does beer does. So porters and box are not like stouts. So stout is like a big, thick, malty. Yeah, it's like yeah, a milkshake. It's like your Guinness yeah. is a stout, for example. I like Guinness by the half pint. I don't need a full <laughs> pint. I want a half I like of it. Guinness with a whiskey dropped in it, but that's a whole nother thing. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that's a doozy. That'll take you down a real trip. I mean, you want to have a good yeah. St. Patrick's Day? That's the way. Oh, you'll be puking 100%. Yeah. But I think I go along those lines of like a, a caramel type of like, or maybe coffee, depending on which way I want to go flavor wise. But I think like a darker color that's not so dark that people are like, I can't drink dark beers. Like something like that. People get very freaked out by dark beers. If I was going to introduce someone to beer, if, if someone was like, I don't really like beer, I'd be like, you just haven't had the right kind. I would introduce them to IPAs last. I agree because I'm not a huge IPA person. Like I'll sit back and throw back a hundred Miller lights. <laughs> That's mostly for their caloric <laughs> intake. They're like 98 calories. Keep those coming. Um, but I've been dabbling into the non-alcoholic beers so that I feel like I'm participating right now. And there's actually some good ones. There's some decent ones. Like John's been buying a few of them, but there, there's like a, there's an IPNA one that he gets. And then there's like Suntory does a good one. Heineken has a good one. I mean, these aren't ranking on anybody's lists <laughs> by any means, but they're getting me through of like, I'll just have one of these. There's days where the where I'm so sore, the only way I get through the week is because I'm like, oh man, beer day is coming. If I could just make it to Tuesday, <laughs> then yeah. Tuesday's booze day, baby. Yeah. Wait, what yes. day? Oh, today's Thursday. Okay, so we've missed it. Fair yeah. enough. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, That's why I'm like the energy drink. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hey, you've got to pick and choose your days. I respect that. Um, here's a big question. When I left WWE, um, so for people that don't know, which you wouldn't know, but we have traveling tour cases that keep all of our stuff in it. And you degenerates turned my drawer <laughs> into a booze drawer. Yes. <laughs> Is there yes. still booze rattling around in that road case? Well, so now we have more girls on the roster. So we had to give them a drawer. But, Damn it. but I do have whiskey. And funny enough, it is Jack Daniels in my drawer. Perfect. Just because you can't be caught unawares when it's like WrestleMania and you want to have a drink afterwards yes. or like. There's yeah, nothing so. better than that, like post show cheers in the locker room. It's yeah. the best. Oh, I yeah. miss that. I miss those days of walking back and everyone's like, here, here, have this, have this. Oh, it's so good. I miss everybody. What a bunch of gals. Yeah, we miss you. We talk about you a lot. Oh my God. I, I, I was going to say, I should just come by and visit, but that would probably be weird. I won't do that. That would be. <laughs> no, come by. Why not? <laughs> just come in and check it all out. See what's going on. <laughs> so you mentioned Josh Barnett, um, which uh, you guys can go back and listen to the past episode with Josh Barnett. He was actually my very first person I interviewed for this show, which was very cool. He's such a good dude. How did you get hooked up with Josh? Like, how did that relationship first start? Way, way back when I first started fighting and not just women's MMA, but MMA itself was really small and niche still. He has always been very outspokenly in support of women's MMA, which was really an anomaly at the time. Sure. You know what I mean? Because like, Women's MMA and women's, especially in combat sports, is always like a little bit behind on the acceptance scale. Women's sports in general is like that. Yeah. It's always behind. Yeah. And I think like to have a prominent name at the time, he's like fighting in pride and he's Pancrase champion and he's this big name. 
And uh, being in the in the fight world, I'm not like marking out about other fighters. I am one. Right. You know what I mean? It's a like, Obviously, I have. Yeah. Obviously, I'm like, oh, man, it's Josh Barnett, uh, like inside. But I'm not going to be like, hey, can I get a picture? <laughs> like Usually. So I had a fight in Costa Rica. And, and the event was awesome. The ring was like on a beat. Like I could have jumped off the top turnbuckle into the ocean. They had this event on the beach. And at the time I fought a girl uh, who was like in the argument for like number one and two in the world, had a really good fight. She poked me in the eye. <gasps> She'll laugh. No. We're, friends. We're friends now. We're friends now. And that's a longstanding <laughs> joke. But I ended up losing and on my way out of the ring, like I just lost what at the time was like the biggest fight in my career. And I'm on my way out of the ring to go to the back and I pass him. He was ringside, Josh. He's ringside and I pass him and I go, Josh, I wanted to say like, thank you for always supporting women's MMA. Can I get a picture with you before we leave this island? And he was like, yeah, yeah, hit me up. And then uh, it was like later at the after party that he was like, hey, you want to get that picture now? And we were just talking and I started doing magic tricks and, and traded contact info. So then Fast forward a few months, I had a fight booked in California and I knew that's where he was. So I emailed him asking, not even asking for his help, but just asking if we could use his gym, his facilities to like get workouts in and stuff while I went out there. And he just kind of like, like, yeah. And if you need a hand wrap guy, I learned from Stitch. And if you need a corner, I can do that too. I was like, okay, cool. And um, we went out there and he just kind of like took over my training camp. He like ran my training and yeah. And then- I just was doing that for every fight until I finally moved out there. And yeah. Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, Why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel Fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dum-dum like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit, just go to fanduel.com slash cowherd for more info. Fanduel.com slash cowherd. Fanduel, more ways to win. How is it when you switch to training with somebody like Josh? Because it seems grueling. You know, he doesn't baby anyone. And he's he's a guy that, um, and you having met him will laugh at this, but he doesn't give his compliments easily. You know, he's not a guy that's going to tell you good job every day, but man, when he tells you good job, you feel good about it. Um, but he's, he's a hard ass for sure. Uh, and I think just having someone as experienced as him and at a time, and it's still this way where the sport is very like Brazilian jiu-jitsu heavy. He's the one that opened my eyes to the fact that like catch wrestling and pro wrestling and MMA all have the same shared history And it's, it, I mean, obviously now with what I'm doing, it opened an entire different world to me um, than the way I'd been looking at it before. 
I mean, I feel like blood sport is something that you would absolutely crush in. I wish that you could do that. I know obviously because of contractual obligations and all that, but that seems like something that would be so up your alley. Seemed like you were going to maybe get an opportunity ish when we had the raw underground. And then that, that mm-hmm. didn't really live very long, unfortunately. But I was like, I actually thought when they started doing raw underground, I was like, this has got to be for Shayna specifically. Obviously, with the my martial upbringing and, and everything, like with Josh and Billy Robinson, all that is through that kind of UWFI, UWF style. And that's what Bloodsport and Raw Underground um, was. I think the difficult part is that, and I'm just speculating, I'm not speaking for anyone, but just knowing how I trained for that style of professional wrestling, I don't think you can grab just any pro wrestler nowadays and just throw them into this and they know how to do it and make it look the way it's supposed to look. It started kind of getting to be like what we have anyway. Just shoot fights, baby. Just have some shoot fights down there. <laughs> this isn't like, oh, let's grab a bunch of MMA fighters and do these like worked fights. It's not that. And it's also not, let's grab a bunch of pro wrestlers and have them do these shoot matches. You have to find this like balance of people that have been trained a certain way, it's hard. It's going to be slow to build up the talent pool, but I think if you do it right, it's better in the long run. Oh my God, absolutely. And you're just seeing it, I mean, seeing John participate in it, it's definitely like a thing that like lights him up. He gets so excited to go like be a part of all that and the training's different for it and all that stuff. But it, it is such a cool product. It's really, really fun to watch. Um, how was it for you? I mean, having such an MMA background, when you started to transition into pro wrestling. I mean, when did that kind of light bulb go off? You're like, I want to go do this now. So I had, um, a fight against Amanda Nunez. I had, I got a partial tear in my ACL in that fight. And thankfully I didn't require surgery, but I had to stay off it for a while and rehab and stuff. But just the way the UFC was at the time, we kind of understood, like, I don't think people realize this about fighters. You don't like have a schedule of when you're going to fight. They just call you and they're like, Hey, we have an event in May. You want to fight? So you could, it could be two months till you fight. It could be a year until you fight next. Um, so especially when you're not like, if you're not making a ton of money and you're working like similar to what I imagine it's like on the Indies, right? It's like you kind Mm -hmm. of scratch and claw for whatever you can get. Yes, exactly. And, and I think that, um, knowing I was going to be sidelined with this injury anyway. And then on top of that, I'd be thrown at the back of the line. We just didn't know when I would be fighting next. And I think I was at a stage in my career where I had fought, you know, for like 16 years and this is going to cause all kinds of people I bet to comment or something. But I think like the popularity of MMA and the most visible part of my career being on this like tail side of my career made me kind of get jaded and despise MMA. So what started happening is I had a couple of fights where I got in there and I just didn't care to work as hard as I would need to, to win. I I can't explain it. I remember I mean, once your heart's not in it, that's going to happen, you know? And that's the truth. I just didn't love it. I fell out of love with it and I can sit and point to a bunch of different reasons why and, and all this. And I'm not making excuses by any means. And I'm not ashamed of losing to like Amanda Nunes, obviously, but I didn't love it. It was work. And I think that Josh was seeing that he's a lot more experienced than me. And I think he recognized it and he was like, Hey, why don't we, why don't we see if the UFC will let you do some pro wrestling? And they immediately said no. So it was like, okay, well let's just retire 
So when, if you ever decide you want to unretire, you could just fight again. Yeah. Let's just do that. So um, that's what happened. I started doing wrestling and I just fell in love with it. It's what caused me to find my love of MMA again. I did a whole thing in Japan where I lived there, you know, the, the pro wrestler thing where I like went and stayed and lived in Japan and toured around. At the same time, I took an MMA fight in Japan. Where were you wrestling when you were in Japan? All over. I was staying in Tokyo with stardom, but we would travel every week all over Japan. It was awesome. But I was training at uh, the UWF Snake Pit, which is the gym that Billy started when he was in Japan. And it was this crazy. I remember my first day in there and I'm lacing up my shoes and I'm just like, holy crap. Like Billy and Lou says were on this floor, like throwing each other around. I had this weird, like, I don't know. It was almost like spiritual, like, am I doing what I'm meant to do? Like, this is what they did. They fought and they wrestled all at the same time. So, um, I don't know. I, I took a fight just, just to kind of, cause I needed to for, I guess a coming of age sort of thing. I don't know. But I, I remember, so I ended up losing that one to a decision. I didn't eat breakfast. That's how I cut weight. So I didn't eat. <laughs> okay. I went and wrestled a main event in Cork and Hall against Io Shirai. And then the next day had an MMA fight and then was sick for like two weeks because my body just couldn't handle it. But um, I remember I called Josh after the fight and I was like, but man, I had fun. And he was like, I, that's the first time I've heard you say that. And I don't know how many years. It's interesting. I don't feel like people ever highlight your indie career nearly as much as it should be. I mean, you really did it essentially by the books, right? Like before you ended up moving over into WWE, but the fact that you got to wrestle Io Shirai, I mean, I found, I didn't realize that you had been trained by Mercedes Martinez, like just for you guys all to wind up there together. Like that must've been a really cool moment for all of you guys. I wanted to make sure because obviously Josh with his connections and then also like being friends with Rhonda, I could have simply made a phone mm -hmm. call probably, but I wanted, I know that especially in wrestling when it's like, we have each other's life in our hands. I don't, I, it's more important to get the respect there than sure. like Twitter to love me. So no matter what people thought about why I got signed or if I got signed or whatever, I wanted the people at least in the back to know, like I did this, I showed up to help set up the ring um, at like indie shows where 30 people showed up. I did the living in Japan and eating 7-Eleven food. Which is amazing, yeah, by really the way. Yeah, it's really good. Really <laughs> good. <laughs> Noodle sandwiches. Who doesn't want that? Sign me up. Oh, man. Those meat buns. There's a thousand <laughs> of those. the best. I've only been to Japan once for like two days, but that was the thing. John's like, we have to go to 7-Eleven. He was like so psyched about it. And it really, it's, it held up. It's very good. It's very good. Um, okay. So you, you're out there, you're in Japan, you're doing all these things, you're doing everything by the book. You get signed by WWE. What were some of the like hardships or some of the like mountains you had to climb getting to WWE and you must've had to battle to keep that authenticity? Yeah. So it's interesting because if it was up to like Josh and Billy, I would like go in the back before the show and be like, all right, we're going out, we're shooting. If you can, if you can win there, I'll put you over on the show. Call it out there, kid. Yeah. Like Billy's notorious for not wanting, he's one of those old school guys that wouldn't, if he didn't believe you had it to beat him in life, he wasn't going to like do it on the show. Um, but obviously it's, it's not that way anymore. And so I think it's been this constant kind of juggle to 
wrestle the way I need to wrestle now while still staying true to my martial upbringing. And it was a thing I think that I think going to Japan before I got signed really helped because the Japanese wrestling fans understand my style of wrestling a lot faster than American fans or like fans in the West. It's just a style that's very known to them. More that strong style. Yeah. They're like with like Pancrase and um, UWF. And you see some of those guys even over there now, you know, Minoru Suzuki is like my favorite wrestler in the world right now. And to see him and the way he's able to kind of mix the two. But when I went to Japan, because I was like anyone else and Josh can attest to this. I was like, but I want to do the cool stuff. Nobody cares that I'm twisting their arm. And he's like, no, you are doing things that no other girl can do. Like any girl can do a missile drop kick off the top, but like you can bend someone's arm in a gross way. You're someone that can make people in the audience like need to look through their fingers and don't lose that. And I think that going to Japan, I was like, oh, I get it. I am doing cool stuff. <laughs> and so I think like realizing that before I came to the WWE was a big help in keeping true. And then that, you know, at the end of the day, Josh was like, you know, if you can wrestle a match and know that Billy would have liked it, then you're doing okay. And so that's what you see every time I get up when, when I enter the ring, when I step up on the steps, I like point to the sky and it's like a, all right, Billy trying to do this. I love that. What about conversations with Vince? Which I know is like a whole can of worms, like but like nerve wracking. Isn't it so scary? Yeah. <laughs> I never got used to it. I just could never get used to it. You come with this image that he's this like unhinged, crazy guy, but he's always so nice and like critiques me really well. I don't know. He's never been the way you imagine that you build up this monster in your mind so much. <laughs> 100%. You hear all these stories and yeah, like. Yeah, yeah then that becomes bigger than like what the conversation actually is. But like that would always rattle around in my head. I always got so like stressed. I'm like, oh God, this is going to be the time that he's going to go off on me. <laughs> when I first started wrestling on Raw, he gave me a talk that was like, look, you have something different to offer. You have a unique look. The thing you have to start learning now that you're on Raw is that your work rate is shown on pay-per-views and at NXT. So don't get so hell-bent on weekly Raw TV because that's where we build the story for the work rate that you can do on a pay-per-view. So he's like, I, you have this thing. I don't want you to do any pro wrestling. Got it? Okay, got it. So I have this match and um, it looks like I'm just like going off the map and like beating someone up. He loves it. Uh, the next week I do it again. He loves it. The next week I have a match with Natty. And I'm like, listen, Natty, who's way more experienced at this than me, obviously. Natty's trained with me like in an MMA gym. So I was like, listen, let's just shoot around a little bit and then we'll get to what we need to get to. We do it. He hates it. We go in the back and he's like, well, it looked like you guys were just fighting each other. So he makes us do it again. This is when we were doing like uh, the stuff at the PC and we were recording some episodes and doing some live um, so he goes and makes us do it right away again. And I'm just flabbergasted. I'm still new up there. So I don't know how stuff is. I'm like, and Natty's like, I got you. We'll do this. So we go and we do like a match that she basically calls to me. And it's just, it's an, it's a normal match, you know, we go in the back and he loves it. And I'm so confused at this point. <laughs> I'm like, 
man, we did like headlock takeover, drop down leapfrog. I don't, I don't understand. And so I go and I sit outside Vince's office for a long time because I'm like, just the worst feeling. Yeah. It's scary. And it's, and, and, you know, you're asking the guys outside the office, like, is he in a good mood today? Oh okay. my God. Is he eating? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't know. It's nerve wracking. He's is. the boss. And anytime you get, you go to the principal's office, it's scary, right? <laughs> yeah. So I go in there and I don't even know, I'm not even like, I don't even know what I wanted out of it. I think it was just to get it off of my chest. But I was like, man, listen, I know I have something that no one else has. I know I can bring a certain legitimacy to this that no other female has. I don't know how to figure it out week to week yet. Just give me a chance. And I was like, you'll never have to worry about me being in shape. If you want me to go out there and wrestle the same match a hundred times, I'll do it. I'll figure it out. Just give me time. Like, I'm just letting you know, I'm aware I don't have it. Just give me time. I'll make you money. And he was like, (laughs) can't wait. <laughs> I think it was finally when I started working with like Sasha and Bailey, where I think in the ring, I stopped trying so hard to impress, uh, like Vince and just started feeling comfortable in my stuff. And it was finally where it started being like, that's it. And going in the back and being like, is that more? And he's like, you're, you're getting it. So it has been this big learning curve, but I think feeling that comfort in what I am and not necessarily, and this is leaving out a whole bunch of like, uh, like Randy Orton being like, don't worry about the fans saying it's boring. Like they like, like just giving advice and AJ styles giving advice, like all these guys, but it has been a hard balance and it's something I'm constantly struggling. Like I have this old school style, but also I can't necessarily do it the way they did it back then because it's wrestling today. So it's been this, it's still a, it's still a juggling process, you know? And like you said, you're doing something new. So there's really not a lot of people for you to bounce it off of at this time. I think realizing too, when I was at the PC, the coaches are great. Um, But I think sometimes it was realizing they don't necessarily know what they want to see out of me. They know what they don't want to see. So it wasn't like the critiques I would get sometimes weren't, you should do this this way. It was, "Mm, that doesn't look like what you would do in a fight. And they don't necessarily know what it would look like, but they know it when they see it. You know what I mean? So it was, I don't know, just realizing certain things. And you're going to ask a hundred different vets and a hundred different producers and coaches and they're going to give you a hundred different answers on the way something should look. And it's just being able to like kind of Bruce Lee your way through pro wrestling as well, you know, pick what sticks for you and throw out the rest. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA in play turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA in play. So the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to because NBA in play is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA in play today. Obviously, at some point, whenever this happens, we have to have you versus Rhonda because that would be a (laughs) shining moment. 
what the hell is she doing? Let's go, lady. Come on. You know what's funny? So um, after the Ultimate Fighter, Ron and I have talked about this. After the Ultimate Fighter, uh, I was at a stage in my life where like the world fell apart. I went through this stupid breakup and I like broke my ankle and all this stuff. So um, Rhonda had flown me out to California to be like, you need to get out here. The water is healing. Let's go. <laughs> and I went out there and she really helped me. And um, I remember we were sitting around. It was like, I can't remember what the reason was, but we were celebrating something. I can't really remember what it is, but it's this big like Armenian meal. Right. And these guys like bring out all these platters and we're drinking and making toasts. And so I remember toasting like Rhonda, I am going to give you the fight that you deserve to thank you for what you did for me in my life. And I remember the coaches at the time were like, that's the best toast ever. And it's funny because Ron and I have talked about how at the time you think that meant MMA, but it might mean this, you know? So that's a WrestleMania. Oh my God. It has to, you know, WrestleMania is coming up. So it's probably not this one per se, but it would have to be a spot where, um, because we're a team first and foremost. So it'd have to be something like as a teammate, and this is a very like amateur wrestling mindset, as a teammate, you're never going to deny a teammate a shot if they earn it. So it would have to be one of these things. And Ooh, that would be juicy. I mean, I know everyone's waiting for like four horsewomen versus four horsewomen, but like you and Ronda <laughs> would be like, oh my God, it would be so amazing. I would love to see that. Um, you mentioned going through a breakup and I feel like you obviously by design are very private about your private life. Yeah. Have you ever been in a relationship where someone is like really trying to force you to go public with it? Uh, yeah, I, I've had relationships where the other person is like counting social media posts that they've posted versus (laughs) mine. And it's so lame. (laughs) I hate that so much. I'm, I'm, I want to keep my private life private just because we're so in the public that like, I want to have some piece of me that's still mine. And I feel like that part is important. And that's nothing against like, uh, it's not like I'm, I'm going to deny something, Yeah, but I'm not like, I don't know, waving these flags and using it in, in storylines or get anywhere. Like it's not, nothing like that. Um, and, and again, nothing against that. That's just for me, the thing I've decided, like, I want to keep, these certain things. I even had a time where I didn't want to post about my dog. Cause I was like, the dog is the thing I love the most. I'm going to keep yeah. that private. And then we yeah. do this like silhouette challenge, TikTok, and she goes viral. And I'm like, well, that's, <laughs> I missed that. I have to look that up. That's amazing. Even for John and I, it took a while for us to ever be like fully public about what we were doing, but he had similar fears where he was like, this is just our thing. And then once it became public and then we even got married, like we got married in our backyard at two o'clock in the morning from a guy off of Yelp. So it was yeah, like awesome. <laughs> low key, just the two of us. But once people found out at work, it was like, oh, we've got to make a storyline about this. And people are, you know, being like, your wife did this. And then like, I'm slapping the Miz and it did turn into like a bit of a storyline. And John was like groaning the entire time. Just like, oh, this is what I didn't want. And I, I couldn't see it through that lens at first. So I was like, I don't know. We both still work here. And like, I don't know. I didn't think it was a big deal, but I get it in like hindsight of like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's your own private thing. And all of a sudden everyone gets their sticky little fingers on it. 
it's just like when you only know bits and pieces, people paint this entire story out of just bits and pieces that they see. And I just, if, if, if I'm going to have something, it's going to be authentically that. And I don't want people to like build this artificial view of something. So it's just better for now to be private. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a good like justification. Cause to be honest, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like be like, I'm not doing a storyline or something if that came up, but not everything that every public person has is their entire life. And I just, that's just the part I keep, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I hear that loud and clear. Um, and one other thing I would love to talk to you about that really lured me in here. It's not the whiskey. <laughs> well, it's a combination <laughs> of things. It's whiskey and it's roller derby. You, oh, yeah. I am obsessed with roller derby. And I feel like I really missed my opportunity because I feel like I could have thrived oh, in you the roller derby awesome. world. How did you get into this? Did you coach a team and you were on a team? Like, how did this all happen? So I had um, a friend who's roller derby. Roller derby is a lot like pro wrestling in that they have like roller derby names. So I had a friend whose derby name is Queen Elizabeth. And (laughs) she was in Sioux Falls, my hometown. She was like the star of the team. So I go to this roller derby one day and I see her like, getting a grand slam, which means she got through the whole pack, which means she scored a whole bunch of points and she's going around. And as she's catching up to the pack, she's like playing air guitar to the crowd and like doing all this stuff. And I was like, this is pro wrestling. I get what this is. So we had a mutual friend, like we didn't know each other. And I worked out like a maniac cause I was a fighter and she worked out like a maniac just because she's a maniac. And so th- he put us in touch and was like, you guys should work out together. And I'm thinking like, this girl ain't going to be able to do my fighter workouts. It's crazy, but she hung in there. She does crazy stuff like marathons and I hate running. So I was like, all right, I'll do a half marathon. If you train to do this. So we started working out together. And then what started happening is she was getting in better shape. And so other girls from the team wanted to come out. So I just by default became, I was doing some personal training at the time. So I became like the, the roller derby personal trainer where, um, I would just train them if they were on the team. And then I started like going to games and then they were calling me because I'm, I'm, I'm coached by Josh. Right. So I'm like a hard ass too kind of, so they'd bring me back into the locker room at halftime to like give a talk (laughs) to the team and like, they'd bring me in. And then, um, I started going to practices because I didn't think it was fair that I'm like giving these talks and trying to coach these girls if I didn't know what they were going through and what was going on. So I started doing that. So um, I really got into roller derby used to be pro wrestling back in the day. And now it's fighting as a legitimate sport. And it is, and these girls are athletes and they train. And I think I really identified with that as far as like MMA being that way. MMA had this stigma alongside pro wrestling. So they had to really fight to show that it was a different thing and um, the way that they're athletes and they train. So I don't know. I got really into it. And that's another subculture. I think like the reason I could never fully be on a roller derby team is because the skill they're best at is the after party. And I just <laughs> yeah. cannot hang with them. I, I'd like to tout this like beer and whiskey and stuff, but I cannot hang with these derby girls. I go to an after party. But it's like very rock and roll too. It's like, yeah, yeah. there's like a real it's rock like and roll. Out. Yeah, very much so. And it's cool. And they're very, um, I don't know. I really think there are certain sports fighting and pro wrestling are two of them that are meant to be seen live. And I think roller derby is one as well. 
and the world has to go back to normal because those sports are meant to be digested live. You just cannot get the same experience. I was really looking into it for a while because I was like, I need something to do. And there's the Sin City Roller Girls out the here. Sin City Vegas. Roller and their and their logo <laughs> yes! is spade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love so it. I was like, oh, I should go. I had been like contacting them and they had like their open tryouts. But my issue is I bought some, but I'm not great on roller skates, but I can roller blade. But roller skates are a whole different ballgame. So you would be surprised at the like level of zero that a lot of these girls that get into roller derby come from. If you want to do it, do it. What's the worst that happens? You don't make it and you don't like it. Oh, I'm making the team. Let me tell you, if I go there, I'm making the goddamn team. For sure. And I think you'd love just the, it's very, um, the culture of like anything. Yeah. The culture of it's cool. They're a very tight knit group. I really, uh, want it. So when I was in LA, I wanted to get involved with Sin City Rollers because their logo was a spade. I just didn't have time. Um, imagine that's where we met. Oh man! See, it was meant to be because no matter what our paths were, it was gonna happen. We would have ran into each other. Yeah. One other thing before I let you go, I know I've been chatting your ear off, but this was another thing that also interested me a lot. Uh, going back to our best friendship, is um, you're into magic. I fucking love magic. How did you get into this? What like made this all start? So I was a nerdy kid, and so I was really into like ventriloquism and magic. They kind of went hand in hand back then. So my thing has always been close-up magic I love because if I could, it's it's a very like pro wrestling psychology. If I could, if I could actually do this, if I could actually change this card into something, I would be like, get over here. I wouldn't be like, stand, everyone stand behind this line. <laughs> I'd be like, everyone gather around, look at this stuff. And so I was doing magic tricks to Josh, I told you, and I got this queen of spades nickname from doing this trick involving the queen of spades and I started learning about cardistry flares, which is the stuff that looks like magic. That is like the weird ways to cut the deck and shuffle fancy stuff that looks cool because I was like, you know, what's cool. I could do all this stuff on camera and people would just think I'm good at magic. I don't need to learn tricks anymore. I just need to learn that cool stuff. And I'm terrible at it. And I'm not like Nigel. Nigel's very good. Nigel McGinnis is who we're talking about, but he is very good. (laughs) Yeah, he's way better than me, but it's something I, I don't know, it's a neat little party trick that like when you're at someone's house, they're like, oh, Shayna, and they have a deck of cards and I can like do one, you know what I mean? So I got very into it for a while. Like I never perfected anything, but I was like fascinated by it. I bought, I I was reading Steve Martin's book, Born Standing Up, and he grew up being a magician. Like that's how we started everything with his like comedy and all that. But he had this book the big book of magic. And it's like this giant like textbook. So it's like, I'm going to buy that again, guys don't drink and go on the internet. That's what happened. Old school magic books are so hard to digest. Oh my God. I was like, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to get through this. And I was like, Oh, this, it was him. And, um, Oh gosh, there was somebody, another like famous comedian that was like really into that magic book. And I was like, well, I want to be like these guys. I'm going to get on that. And, but then moving out to Vegas and there's like the Houdini shops and like, we went and saw David Blaine. It's I love that stuff so much. But again, I mean, everything is pro wrestling, as they say. The people I live with laugh because I'll go on YouTube black holes watching like Penn and Teller uh, fool us and all this stuff on YouTube. And it's like everything is pro wrestling. That's first two things I would tell someone that's into pro wrestling to study outside of pro wrestling is kiss the rock band and uh, magic. Wait, why kiss? 
If you go to a live Kiss concert, which I think they did their farewell tour already. Oh, you I've would seen understand. Kiss. I've been there. Kiss was the first show my dad took me to when I was in like <laughs> eighth amazing. grade or something. Yeah. <laughs> but um, everything is pro wrestling. Yeah. It all comes back to it as we've learned. I mean, literally any like side thing we've talked about has been like, oh, because of this with wrestling, it all it all connects. 100%. Well, Shana, thank you so much for finally joining me here on my show. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you. Um, long live the honor and pride of the whiskey, not in the drawer, <laughs> but in the locker room. And I'll see yes, you down the line, yes. girl. We'll toast one to you after the next. Please after, do. After WrestleMania this year. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got to watch and know that the locker room is rocking after WrestleMania. Always. Oh my God. It's the best. All Listen, right. We should do this again. We only tippy tip the iceberg. Here. I know there's so much stuff to get into. I'm like, oh my God, there was this I want to talk about and this and this, but we yeah, will. We'll have let's to do, do it again. We'll have to do a Shana part two, 100. Or yeah. when the world opens up, we can do it in person and that would be a million times better. Hell yes. yes. All right. Have a good one, buddy. Thank you. Big time. Thank you to Shana for joining me on this episode. Hopefully you guys learned a little something, something about this chick. Cause uh, as I said, she is just fascinating. Need to have her on. I feel like we only just graze the surface of all the many things that I could talk to Shayna Baszler about. Um, so she will be a repeat customer on this show. Mark my words. She's coming back. It's happening again, man. I just, I cannot wait for this stupid pandemic to piss off so that we can all get in the same room and have a time. Can all just hang out. I want to sit down with Shayna, have more great conversations specifically over some cocktails and some smoked foods. So hopefully that will be happening in the year 2021. Can it happen? Can it please happen? Send out your thoughts and prayers to all of us now. It needs to happen. Anyways, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, learned a little bit more about Shayna Baszler. We get to see her in the ring. We get to see all the things she does in WWE. But this was a little peek behind the curtain at what really makes that lady tick. What makes her function as one of the baddest chicks to step inside a WWE ring. And she's kind of just getting started. So everyone hold on to your butts. So make sure that you guys follow. And if you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, it's at Renee Paquette. Maybe you're there already. Maybe you're not. Hit that button. Come hang out. And on the YouTube, um, we are growing this YouTube page as we keep adding clips and the videos and then the full length episodes. So if you guys want that visual, you get to see us kind of hanging out. Yes, we are doing it remotely. But hey, it doesn't change the charm and the love and the dynamic any less. Um, so check it out. You guys can find us on uh, YouTube. Just search my name, Renee Paquette, R-E-N-E-E-P-A-Q-U-E-T-T-E, and get all things oral sessions over there. Also, our pals at The Volume. So check them out. You can follow them both on Instagram and Twitter at The Volume Sports. Um, they've got a bunch of other great podcasts that we're cranking out covering all things sports and all things Colin Cowherd. Who doesn't want some of that in their lives? So get over there, click the link, follow us, hang out, enjoy, enjoy all the shows. We've all got long walks to take, right? Isn't that what everyone's doing these days? Just these long ass walks around the block. Listen to a podcast, turn us on, hang out. And before I jump out of here, another bit of love to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode of Oral Sessions. They're delicious. It is guilt-free cereal. It's going to rock your freaking world. Go to magicspoon.com slash Renee and you can grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E at the checkout. Save five bucks off of your offer. Thanks, guys. I'll see you soon. Follow us, like us, subscribe, all the things. 
Bye-bye.